Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're going to have to show a little more patience than the year two pom-pom people. Casey Kurtz. Yo! What are we doing, bro? Come on! And Aaron Schachter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love and really celebrating their relationship. This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. What's happening at 4 o'clock hour on a Thursday? We've got a good one tonight, by the way, Chargers and Chiefs. That's a good game now. Coming up at 5 o'clock, my interview with Jerry Rice. Don't worry, Casey, I'll get it to you. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Don't like, under-deliver, I told, I told these guys, I was like, hey, you got to remind me to give it to you. I have it on my computer. You are you are notorious for teasing things that don't pay off. Don't are, under-deliver. Yeah. We talking the GOAT. By the way, I just saw I the over- I asked you to remind me. Remind me. I ain't doing that. I just saw the over-under on tonight's game. The over-under is 175 <laughs> points. What are you taking, Casey? Uh, over. <laughs> Actually, the Chargers are really beat up. Oh, yeah? And coming off what the Chiefs did... I mean, gosh. You think, gonna... you think you're primed for a three to six game tonight? That would be awesome. Would it? No. Would that be awesome? No, it's going to be. No, I mean, Herbert is going to do his thing. It's but I mean, do his thing, man. But they don't have Keenan Allen. Allen. They don't have Keenan Allen, but there's a couple other guys. They don't have Parham. He's out tight end. And uh, I thought somebody on the defensive side of somewhat significance was out. For well, the Chargers, you're not wrong. The it's big Keenan significance is Keenan else. Allen because he's on all of my fantasy teams. Is he? So I've all had to take him to the bench in all of those teams. I don't have a lot of receivers. It's not my M.O. You know, I saw something today by Dan Keys to the City, Orlowski. Oh, J.C. Yeah, Jackson has a bad J.C. Jackson. There you go. Uh, Dan Keys to the City, Orlowski, said, like, the offensive line of the Chiefs played so well last week that they gave him the confidence to play the way he did Mahomes. And yep. I was like... Doesn't that sound like a familiar conversation? Yeah, you were literally just screaming I mean, this he's yesterday. talking about Patrick Mahomes, the guy who's got the utmost of confidence. Sure. But still wasn't so sure at times over the last year or so about that offensive line. Yeah, well, two years ago it was a real disaster. They kind of did a lot of work to shore it up last year. But even so, I think when you start out a season, you're probably a little nervous to see what you got after the changes in the offseason. Well, uh, let's get right into that offensive line talk. And 4 o'clock hour on Thursdays, we welcome in Jordan DeLugo. GenJag.com. You can find the YouTube channel, GenJag, Generation Jaguar. And uh, he joins us each and every uh, Thursday. And I saw one of your YouTube videos, I think, earlier in the week, Jordan. First of all, hello. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Jordan, what's going on, man? Um, oh, wait. But before I get into this, how did you did you get the peek at the game last week at all? Or were you locked into your wife's award ceremony? Yeah, sadly, we were we were right up in uh, in the front of the uh, oh, whole, no. whole venue there, and just everyone all eyes on us. Oh, so I was locked in, couldn't sneak it to the uh, to the event. But I, I went back and watched the game later on, so it was all good. How much do you go back and watch games? 
It just kind of depends on how much time I have during the week. Uh, like, I'll go back and watch. Certainly, like, the Colts and Texans game I went back and watched because the Jaguars are playing them, things like that. But uh, it just depends on how much time I've got. Yeah, uh, me too. That's why I watch none. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't done, I don't do that. I don't go back and watch uh, much. Now, once in a while, obviously, we see a bunch of clips, too, on, on Twitter and, and everywhere else, so that's good. But uh, check out the videos for Jordan DeLugo on uh, YouTube, and uh, Jen Jag is the channel. And one of the ones that I saw was talking about the offensive line. This offensive line, Jordan, got really beat up. And yesterday we had Clay Harbor on the show, and he's already calling for Luke Fortner to be benched yeah. for Tyler Shatley. Meanwhile, I think a lot of the fan base and others were saying, uh-oh, what's up with Ben Barsh at the left guard spot? And is Cole Van Lannan right around the corner? Guy they picked up late in August. I mean, that offensive line has to go to work a lot better than they did this past week. No question about it. They have got to improve. Now, that was probably the most talented interior defensive line they're going to face all year. Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne are no joke, right? And then Montez Sweat as an edge player, no Chase Young. But those three together, uh, it's hard to imagine a more talented um, threesome of, of pass rushers up front there. And um, so, yeah, the Jaguars did not handle it well. Luke Fortner was not great in pass protection. Ben Barch was not good in pass protection. Cam Robinson was not good in pass protection. The right side of the offensive line, uh, I thought, looked steady, looked stable. Dewan Taylor maybe had the best game of his career. No pressures. Uh, Did not finish the game with those cramps, which is really unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, you need to see Ben Barch and Cam Robinson. Certainly, they need to be able to uh, play better next to each other and the, the commanders were working some stunts and different games up front that they just did not look like they knew how to play next to each other. And that makes sense because they never have played next to each other before. Uh, so, yeah, they've got to get better. It, it doesn't all, all of a sudden get easy. You've got DeForest Buckner as long as he's able to play and, and some other talented defenders up front for the Colts. So it's time to uh, time to show... Why the, why the Jaguars paid $18 million to Cam Robinson this offseason. Yeah, listen, that's disappointing, and he needs to be consistent. Even Brandon Sheriff, I think, uh, had a lot of sack. And my point on he all did, that but stuff, he was consistent. Yeah, he's good. You he's know, good. He was pretty good throughout the game. Nobody's going to worry about Brandon Sheriff. But in the context of some of that, and even with Cam, I think we're talking about a couple of guys that probably are pretty good, but right now they don't have a lot of trust in the guys next to them. They don't know what to expect. And so I'm not saying they can't trust them. I'm saying they don't know what to expect because, like you said, it's really the first time they've all been to battle together, and they knew they were going against the formidable front. So it's like, okay, what are these guys going to do? The difference this time around, Jordan DeLugo, is, you know, the Colts are good, but they're not going to try to trick you. They're just going to try to beat you up front. And that that probably is, okay, let's just go go to battle and not have to worry about four blitzers and this guy blitzing and this. Now, they'll run games and stuff, I'm sure, but I don't think it will be as intricate with Gus Bradley's defense maybe as it might have been with Jack Del Rio. Yeah, you wouldn't think so, but you never know. Gus could have popped on the tape and been like, you know, we ran some blitzes last week. Maybe we amped that up a little bit this week to get Trevor rattled. He was unbelievable when he didn't have pressure in his face last week outside of the miss to Travis Etienne in the end zone. Um, maybe we maybe we need to try to rattle him more than we would normally do that with 
with an opposing quarterback. And look, all due respect to the uh, interior defensive line for the Redskins and Jack Del Rio and his scheming, but you got some really good, talented dudes on the defensive side of the ball for the Colts. Probably going to shut down the middle of the field in a much more efficient way than the Redskins did, especially against our wide receivers. I, I think the Jags are really going to have to turn up the running game this week. Jordan, what do you see coming out of the backfield for the Jags against the Colts? Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that because I thought, you know, in your head you're thinking about the Colts. They've got Kenny Moore, who's a good corner, good nickel. They've got some talented safeties. Nick Cross is a young player. Julian Blackman has been playing well throughout his young career. But they really struggled with those seam shots. I mean, O.J. Howard, who hadn't even had a sip of coffee in, in Houston yet, he was out there, scored two touchdowns on some seam shots. That is true. Um, they were really having some trouble with the middle of the field, like you said there. Um, so is that a week one aberration? Is that them being in a new defense that they haven't played in before? Uh, is that Nick Cross? You know, he's a rookie getting out there for the first time. There's a lot of different questions. The week one can really lie to you, right? Oh, yeah. So we're going to find out what's real, what's not real this weekend. But if I was the Jaguars, I'd be sending Evan Ingram, Dan Arnold, I, even Travis Etienne. You saw him on a couple vertical routes out of the backfield trying to press that and see if we can get open over the middle of the field. But talking about the running game, I do think overall when you look at the end of the season, you don't want it to be – 70% throws and 30% runs. You've got to get a little bit more balance. I know they talked about, well, we had two uh, two-minute situations and they were down by 11 early, all that stuff. Can we when say I went back and watched the game, I, I didn't think that it was there was anything egregious with how they were calling the game outside of early in the first half, second and three, at, at the three, yeah. trying to score a touchdown, and you throw three straight passes instead of giving it to James Robinson. That was the only, like, come on, y'all. Yeah, in their defense, by, by the way, he also called the touchdown play on third down, called touchdown play on fourth down. Uh, that could have been executed easily. And they also were in, Aaron, they were second and 12. They were, I mean, they had so many penalties. Those aren't running downs usually. So I, I think there's, I'm not hammering down. Listen. I think they're going to run the ball a lot more this week, quite frankly, because I think they want to take some of the onus off the offensive line. I mean, that's why. But I think you, you brought up to me the other day, you asked me to guess. When the Eagles in 2017 won the Super Bowl, yeah. they were 54 to 46. Yeah, 54% pass. pass. So, like, yeah, he likes to throw it, but he likes to utilize the running backs. And I think he needed to be shown with him on the sideline, that James Robinson's ready to go before he was going to go give it to him all these times. Well, and I think he saw it. And I, I think he did. He admitted that this week. So that was probably like the best thing we saw this week. I also think they got to find a way to get it to ETN because there's nobody like him on their offense. Yeah. And so they've got to find a way to do it. So he's going to have to mix and match and play with that a little bit. But again, when you have 13 penalties and you're, you know, they, they did run another one. For 20-something yards, and ETN had it called back yep. because of a formation alignment and a penalty. They looked so, so fast on that play. That would have been another run, right? Yeah. Can we stay on this thread of week one line to you? Because I love that concept. A lot of people talk about it. But after watching the Jaguars week one as they move towards the Colts in week two, what do you think was the biggest lie this team told you week one? Great, great question. You can look at the negatives or positives. I, I right. Think I don't think that anything that positively happened was necessary, necessarily a lie because 
you look at what Doug Peterson has done throughout his career as a play caller, you look at some of the talent that they have on offense, I, I think the play design, the play concepts, and getting people open, I think that was real. Um, you could say, well, is the offensive line actually better than they played? Certainly in, in pass protection last week, you know, they were just going against a, uh, a monster defensive line or – is the pass rush for the Jaguars better than they showed last week? Because they really didn't show a whole that's lot. That's the lie for me right there, that opposing quarterbacks think that they'll be safe in the pocket against this team. That's the lie week one from this Jaguars team. That is not safe yeah, for opposing I, quarterback. I think you're going to see a whole lot of pressure on this quarterback this week. I think that they're going to get better in that department as well. I think their secondary is going to play better. There's no reason for Shaquille Griffin to be giving up two touchdowns like that no reason for Darius Williams to look like he's lost on the field outside of the fact that Williams had not played in an NFL game since the Super Bowl last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't play in preseason at all. So uh, I would agree. I think the pass rush was the biggest lie. The pass rush not existing. That's a, it's a really good question because as you start to think about it, like I, I, I would say actually the, some of the negative things that happened were more of a lie than some of the positive things that happened. Like the drops in the end well, zone. That, like the, the bad line. throws by Trevor. Trevor's not going to overthrow ETN on that play ever again. Trevor like throwing ever a duck again. at the end of the game. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, that's a little more desperation. That, he's going to throw an interception, right? He's probably going to force one. Like, he will do that. Because he's yeah. a he's a guy that throws it. He's trying but to make it happen, yeah. I just don't like ETN's not dropping the ball he dropped and Trevor's not overthrowing ETN the way he overthrew him. Now, could he slightly be off like on the one to Zay Jones where it was a tough play? Trevor threw it a little bit wide, could have gone either way. Yeah, they'll probably do that again. But I just don't think he was I mean, those were like high school plays that got missed by yep. the Jags playing on Sundays. I mean, that by very good players. First-round picks, super talents. It's hard to make excuses like, in those situations. And, and so, and I, I agree with you guys. Like, Darius Williams isn't going to play that bad. He doesn't play, like, at all. And I think we saw a little of that rust coming off. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we saw Christian Kirk, and I've seen that all camp. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll tell you this, the red zone worries, they've been a worry. I'm not sure they're going to figure out the red zone anytime soon. I thought they you looked know? better in the red zone than I expected, to be honest with you. Before that game, I was asking you guys, I understand how the Jaguars can rip off two, three, four, five, six yards on a play. What I didn't understand previous to week one was how this team gets into the end zone from the 15 or the 10. And I think we saw how they plan to do it. I, they got some tools up there. They got some tools. And what it was was play calling. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. Play concept. But, yeah. They were getting people open. They were, but they still have to run it more to your point, Jordan, earlier. I mean, they've got to run it inside there. They've got to keep people honest. And they've got to put their quarterback in good spots, you know. Um I always go back to 17. I think the stat was, even on Blake Bortles now, and who didn't have the skill set that Trevor has, but he was 21 touchdowns, no picks in the red zone, I think was the numbers that year. And, and, and they set him up well. And, you know, Leonard Fournette probably had a bunch of touches and touchdowns that year. I think he had 10 overall. So you, you've got to be able to run the power game. That was my biggest concern going into the season, the power run game. And where do you run power game? You run it on third and short? fourth and short, and you run it down into the goal line. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I have a concern after watching James Robinson run and the way the offensive line block, but now you got to call it. Yeah. Like, you do have to play to that. That's part of football at some point. So we'll see if they do it. Uh, big news out of Indianapolis, guys. I just tweeted out a while ago, but while Is you guys breaking, were talking. Breaking news? Yeah. I mean, Michael Pittman did not practice today. Oh. For the Colts. Hey there. And what's it? I've said this earlier, Jordan, uh, this week. 
the way the Colts do it, I think, I read this about last week, I'm assuming they did it again the same this week, is they go very light on Wednesdays, and so they don't put pads on. And so guys that were on the practice, the injury report, uh, Wednesday, it was said to be full, and then they got knocked down to limited on Thursday once the pads went on. Well, it's kind of similar to what happened. Pittman, I think he was on the injury report yesterday, but now they go put pads on him, assuming, and practice a little harder, and now Pittman's not out there. Now, Derry, uh, Shaq Leonard is. He, he's full participant, which this is where everybody caught their attention last week, where Shaq Leonard was full on Wednesday, but not on Thursday or Friday. So it looks like Shaq Leonard's good to go and he will play. But Michael Pittman, all of a sudden, Jordan DeLugo, that would be a pretty big deal because we talked about this yesterday on the show. The Indianapolis Colts do not have much on the outside other than Pittman. 13 targets to Pittman week one, by the way, 13. Yeah, and you talk about um, the second receiver, Alec Pierce. He's also dealing with the concussion protocol. He was limited today after being a non-participant yesterday, so maybe he's moving in the right direction. He's still going to have to clear that. But, yeah, if they don't have Michael Pittman, that's huge. And then you also look at the cornerback I brought up a little bit while ago. He didn't participate. Um, so, yeah, I might be in some trouble with these injuries. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking for more information on Pittman and the the team. I don't think has come out official talking about it, and we shouldn't expect them to. But I guess he was listed yesterday, as you said, Brent. And then today, there are some beat writers who are um, left to speculate at this point whether this may be more of a maintenance thing than anything. But yeah, else. their practice report, by the way, is uh, DeForest Buckner did not practice on Thursday. He uh, did not practice on Wednesday with a hip. There's some concern about him. Alec Pierce concussion. He was limited today. Didn't practice Wednesday. There's some thought that he will make it back in time for the game coming off the concussion. Uh, you can do that if you pass all the tests. Kenny Moore, hip limited on Wednesday. Downgraded to did not practice today. Oh, that's, that's what I'm talking about. With, right once there. they put the pads on, he didn't go. Yep. Pittman, quad, same thing. And now Shaq Leonard, full participant the last two days. Come, he did not play in week one. I mean, those are some important players oh, yeah. for the Indianapolis Colts. And by the way, listen, it's like, oh, yeah, Jags got it easy now. Don't ever play that <laughs> card, folks. I've done this so many times with third-string quarterbacks against the Jags and other people. But it is significant from a game plan standpoint. Again, we have been saying all week, uh, Jordan, that, I mean, this Colts offense, it's Jonathan Taylor and it's Michael Pittman, and that's it. Like, there's... I, Nakeem, Naeem Hines is uh, is a good player. You got complimentary guys. But he's not going to knock your guys. socks off, yes. you know? I mean, exactly. there's not a lot to worry about, like a lot of offenses around the league relative to that. Yeah, I think from an individual matchup perspective, you're spot on. You're worried about Michael Pittman and you're worried about Jonathan Taylor. I think you got to worry about Naeem Hines as well. I think he's a little bit more than the complimentary type of player. He is a complimentary back, but he's probably like the best complimentary back in terms of being a receiver out of the backfield. He's up there, right? He's really dangerous yeah. with the football in his hands. Um, Especially the way they tackled yeah, I mean, the other day. <laughs> yeah, Alec Pierce, uh, if he's able to play, you know, he dropped a touchdown pass last week. He's a really talented player out of Cincinnati. Big, strong, fast, athletic, so... Uh, you got him, but yeah, I mean, it's not an offense that you're looking at. You're like, you know, who's going to beat us besides Michael Pittman and 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 Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines? Jordan DeLugo joins us each and every Thursday here on ESPN 690, Brent and Friends, and uh, you can find Jordan's work at uh, on YouTube, Gen Jag Channel, and of course, GenJag.com, Generation Jaguar. Uh, what do you have, by the way, uh, out there for content for people to consume this week? Yeah, 
Yeah, so I just did um, a little show just kind of highlighting some of the areas the Colts struggled in week one, which one of them was the seam stuff, uh, you know, having the injuries that are popping up and some different things like that. And I also just did start doing the Believe in Jaguars show with Clay Harbor, who I know you have on. You mentioned that earlier. So Is we're he cheating on us? Well. Sounds like it. Is, Is he that, cheating on it us? It sounds like he's double dipping right now. <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> are you, Jordan, are you paying him the same zero dollars we're paying him? Or? <laughs> well, yeah. Believe reached out to me to do the show with him. So I was like, okay, that sounds great. Fair enough. Okay. We got yeah. to have a talk with Clay. Be, he must be envious of the beard. It's got to be the beard game. Uh, I bet you nice don't talk bachelorette with him like well. we do. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to get both guys in one day. Uh, How about that? Uh, all right, one last thing. Let's leave you with this. How much does the streak matter? And also, so it's a double question, how much do the Jags really have to win because what's ahead is not pretty? I mean, Chargers and Eagles are, are losses on paper. I mean, let's let's – I know it's the NFL. Wacky things happen. I'm not saying they're going to lose the game, but there are losses on paper. And they're going to be significant underdogs in those games. Yep. So if they don't win this game, Jordan, you're looking at 0-4 potential. Yeah. If, if you're a team that believes you're competing for the playoffs, which the Jaguars do believe that, this is as close to a must-win in Week 2 as you can have. You lost in Week 1. You do not play well on the West Coast, bottom line. And, and that's a a, a buzzsaw of a team out there, even with some injuries. Um, and then, like you mentioned, in Philly, of course, that's a homecoming for Doug Peterson of sorts, but uh, they, they look good, too, on offense. They look like they're going to be tough to deal with. A.J. Brown has roasted the Jaguars in the past with the Titans. So, uh, yeah, this is close to as close as it can be to a must-win in Week 2. And then what was the other question we were talking about? Yeah, the streak, streak does it matter? The streak, it matters because people are talking about it. Oh, right? yeah. It matters because they're being asked questions about it in Indianapolis. Uh, so even if they were trying to just go into a shell and, and not really worry about it, it's being brought up. And so they're having to deal with it. They're having to think about it. So does it matter? Yes. I mean, does that mean that Jags are automatically going to win this game? No. But it does matter. People are thinking about it. All right, Jordan DeLugo, enjoy the game tonight. We'll see you on Sunday at the bank for the Jags and the Colts. You can find them at genjag.com. YouTube channel is genjag as well, Generation Jaguars. Jordan DeLugo joins us each and every Thursday, 4 p.m. hour. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, y'all. Have a good one. All right. Uh, you know, you start looking down the road. Again, I'm not, I'm not this guy, okay? But this is an easier performance for the secondary right we've talked about that you got Pittman heck who knows if you have Pittman now but you sh your secondary has to find its groove a little the corners because they didn't have a great performance overall it wasn't one. consistent yeah. well then next you go against potentially potentially Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and then AJ Brown and Devonta Smith you know those kind of, now you're starting to look okay now that's for real mm -hmm. and if they get to you and now we're four weeks into the season and your secondary or corners haven't really done anything. You're talking about these storylines that are starting to build. And where do the Jags, are they losing confidence in some things, even though we had, like, again, going into the year, I think you could make the case that Jaguars corners are the best position group on the team. Hmm. Now, coming out of a month of the season, will we be saying that?
So that's how big. I think this game really is big. I don't want to say must win because, again, goofy things happen in the NFL. It's just like, hard to believe. They'll go split with Philadelphia and the Chargers for some stupid reason, right? Well, that's like, will they win? But I'm just sitting here going, can you really say that a team that won two games last year, it's a must win in week two? I, I find it hard to believe. Yeah, and they wouldn't either. I mean, it's a long season. But 0-4 is not pretty. And it's not easy to and come you'd be out staring of at you in the face. Brent Friends continues on ESPN 690. We continue to talk more about uh, the NFL and big game coming up tonight. An interview with Jerry Rice during football at 5. They might. And I think because, uh, you know, they've had experience. In 2007, if you remember when Alex Rodriguez opted out of his contract, Brian Cashman's recommendation to ownership was do not chase him. Let him go. We'll get other players. Let him opt out. That's totally fine. Uh, and it turned out that, you know, Cashman was right with that recommendation. Robinson Cano, when he became a free agent, uh, Brian Cashman stood saying, you know what? We, we don't think it's worth it. If he wants to go to Seattle, go ahead. I think the same thing is going to happen this offseason. Sounds like Buster only talking about Aaron Judge. I'm, I'm buying what he's selling. It's really weird to see guys like uh, the book out of uh, DeGrom is he wants out, right? Because he could yeah. pick up the player option and stuff. And so yeah. he's going to be gone, it looks like. Looks like. Either the Dodgers or the Dodgers. And how crazy would it be for the, the New York teams to lose two stud players yeah. like Judge and DeGrom? They're the ones usually paying like over-the-moon kind of money. Oh. To get these guys. I think the point that only uh, only is making is that the Yankees actually don't necessarily shell out the big bucks, although the Mets recently definitely have ever since they took on Steve Cohen as the owner. Yeah. When they both end up in Seattle, it's going to be wild. Yeah, I just... I don't see, see it. Not both. Now watch them go to Anaheim and suddenly turn that team around. That would be nuts. Now you got a real team. I mean, they would pay them, but I mean, I, they ain't turning them around. Nothing's turning them around. If they can't have the guys they've had on their roster turning them around, I mean, why is one of these guys? Even Judge and DeGrom? Give them the two best other players in the league, yeah. <laughs> I think that would work. I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, come on, guys. They've had, uh, they've, they've had Trout, That's right. Shohei, uh, and uh, what was Rend- Rendon. Yeah, Rendon was a bad signing. He's trash. So is Noah Syndergaard? Guard. I mean, they signed an old Josh Hamilton. They had pool holes. They signed an old pool holes. They signed an old uh, old buddy lefty from Texas. Old buddy uh, CJ <laughs> CJ Wilson. <laughs> okay, if they just signed current players in their prime, we'll see what happens. I guarantee you they'd be okay. They'd be um, a wild card team. They'd be a wild card team. That's good. How about when San Diego <laughs> let's go Astros? of uh, I mean, when San Diego let's go of Tatis? Maybe they pick up Judge or something like that. Does he play shortstop all of a sudden? <laughs> no, they yeah. find room for him. The, it's more the money than the position. The, the, who helps the Angels more? It's got to be DeGrom, DeGrom. right? Yes. Because now you could go like Otani, uh, DeGrom, Otani. They lose games like 7-5. to five. They, they can't do. pitch at all. Yeah, they can't pitch. And they haven't been able to pitch. And that's yeah. really been even their bigger problem. Even with guys like Rendon and others, they just can't pitch. That's why I don't necessarily and understand. they can't stay healthy, let's be honest. I mean, Trout's hurt a lot. Rendon's hurt, right? Mm-hmm. And I gave you a little bit of a flat, Casey, when you were like, oh, Todd, he's the best of all time. Okay, fine, I get he it. Is. But, like, how does this guy not get a contract worth double what everybody else gets? I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, because it's still a one every five day For pitching. Thing. But he's still like hitting like saying. a slugger. Why are you trying to justify it like it's normal? It's not normal. No, but I was but with not Brent. not double your contract. But I was it's with Brent. Yes, it is. No, it's not. But here's no, why I think it is. Because if you were to separate Otani into two players, you'd pay both those guys big money. You wouldn't pay. First of all, you 
he's he's 30 home run guy, right? Yep. 35. 35 home run guy. If he hits five more, he gets to 40. Yeah, he'll be a 40 home run so guy. So you pay year. him as you would the big guys. Right. But two five five ERA guy. This is such a bad wait thing. a second. I Are should you turn saying? your mic off. This, this is such a, such a, this is such a horrible thing. What's his ERA over the last couple of years? First of all, you can't compare anybody to Degrom. He's the best pitcher that might have ever played the sport. I'm with you on that. Give me his numbers versus guys that you're talking about big dollars. Scherzer, uh, Degrom. Um, who else? Who's got like the big, big contracts? Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, those guys. Yeah. So, like, what from projecting his pitching out for the next five years, would you pay him those guys kind of money? That's so what you're saying. You pay him double. He's so. pitched two full seasons, and his ERA has been three eighteen, and now two five five. Career three ten. Okay, so he's good. Yeah. This, but three one eight ERA. Is he making Garrett Garrett Cole numbers? Money. Well, it's two years in the league. I mean, he's improved dramatically from his rookie or By the way, Garrett Cole's ERA year. has not been under two since he joined the Yankees. Or under oh, yeah. three since I mean, he joined the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, but under three? It hasn't been? Yes. But that's why they signed him, because he was that three, guy. Three, two, three, three, thirty. I'm telling you, Brent, this is a poor take. You just need to stop. Nah, nah, I'm not going to stop, because I don't think anybody in the like league would spend the kind of money that they spent on Scherzer and DeGrom and... Uh, Kershaw over the years. See, I agree and these with guys you. Just for him to pitch. I agree with you. I don't think that you. would be, I don't, not yet. There's not enough of that to me. But I still don't understand how he hasn't earned a dual contract if he's doing yeah. both these gigs. What is his deal? He's still on the first one. Like, which is what? Like, what's he I'm going to look made? up the like transaction. 20 million or something like that. The purchase fee. Did they have to do that with Otani? Yes. They did have to do that? Yes. And so. Yeah, I, I mean, it'd be fast. I mean, he's not getting double, by the way, but I'm not disagreeing with you. He shouldn't get more. <laughs> All right, so uh, 2018 with the Angels, he collected 500 grand. Uh, 2019, <laughs> that's amazing. 650. <laughs> then he had his first full season, and he pitched really well. Three million. Second full season is this year. He's making five and a half. So when's he up? Uh, signed through 2022. Earliest arbitration, 23. Earliest free agency, 24. Wow. So it's, it's coming. They've got the best deal going. Yeah. So, for reference, Kevin Gosman's had one good year in his career, and he's currently getting shellacked by the Rays. He signed a five-year, $110 million deal. Wow. He has, like, a 3-8 ERA. Otani has a 2-5. They, they are getting, like, that is the best bargain that baseball's ever bought. So, what do you think he ends up making annually, Casey, when that contract comes up then? Well, if not double. Who's the high right now? Where it is, is Machado or I think somebody different? Machado or Tatis it's or probably Price Soto. Harper, one of these guys. Oh, Soto. Oh, yeah. Soto. Well, he's not done yet. They haven't done it yet. Oh, true. They right? Done but it. he will be, yeah. to your point. Okay, so Soto's going to make... Maybe uh, Harper. Look at Harper. Yeah, I'm gonna $35 million, something like that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Scherzer's making $43 million this so, year. So, Tani, if he does continue this... He's going to be the first $40 million a year guy if, yeah, if there isn't so. one yet. Well, well Scherzer, actually, not the first Scherzer's because, making 43 this year. Yeah, but those are short contracts. We're talking about four-year deal. Well, is yeah, because you could, oh, that, uh, he you could, could sign Otani for like eight. You got Scherzer at 43.3, yeah, Mike Trout at 37 million, Rendon at 36 and a half. Oh, so maybe he's more like 45, 50 million. Nice. Poor Angels like have two of the heaviest contracts in baseball. They're going to have a third they right They got to half-load Rendon. I Gary, yeah, of course they have to. Uh, Garrett Cole at 36, Carlos Correa at 35. That's, okay. Those are the guys. But my point is, so like you, what you're saying is you got to pay him $70 million. That's not going to happen. No, that's, I don't think they'll sign him to the double contract. I'm just saying, how do you, if yeah. you're Otani or his agent, like, how do, you, you. how do you sit at that table and go, this guy is worth $80 million? Well, by the way, is also, you can, if you do it right, you can claim, like, he is, base, he can be baseball during that stretch. Mm -hmm. I mean, Trout, 
hasn't been, doesn't really want to be. Who knows where some of these other guys are? This guy is doing it different than anybody else, and he's the most global athlete baseball has. Yeah, all kinds of marketing right? with this guy, yeah. So, yeah, I would... I mean, it's a good Maybe point. he's worth $60 million a year. He well, he's is. probably worth it. I'm not saying he's not worth I it. I mean, to the Angels or some, some other organization. If I'm, if I'm both teams, I'd be like, if the Angels presented me as Otani's agent, 30 as a player or a hitter, 30 as a pitcher, 60 total. I'd be, and if I'm Otani's agent, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah. I Is he Boris? Does he have Boris, too? He might, he might want to get him. He, <laughs> he might. <laughs> That's it, by the way, if I he does, like, then he should call him today. That's like, I feel like somebody else finally won other than Boris. They don't have Otani. Yeah. You know? Boris I, wins everything. Yeah. Like, how big is Boris's house? Uh, which one? He's probably got seven or eight of them. Yeah. The question will be, what does DeGrom get? So, and then you got to wonder. Get, like, what's his name got before he got banned? Bauer type of deal, like from the no, Dodgers? You don't Trevor think Bauer. Get, you think he'll get more long-term? I will be looking for it. To. Yeah, he'll yeah. be looking for it. With, like, an opt-out after four or something like that? Yeah. But I, I, the I problem would, is he's been hurt. I you would pay like, to draw like can't go six? I mean, and a lot of that is the Mets also being cautious with him. But I'm sure he's happy about it, so it's only extending his career, you know? It's not always just annual value on these contracts, too. What about um, highest total contracts? Yeah, either way, they're getting the money. So you've got to go, but, but back to my original question, I think you guys answered, or maybe you didn't, uh, the Angels. If they were to pick one guy, it would have to be DeGrom, right? Yes. Oh, you did answer because we were talking about the ERAs mm-hmm. that they had. Yeah. Imagine if both leave, though. And the thing, Judge is older than people think, too. Yeah, yeah Judge, Judge is, is like 30. 32. Right? Yeah, and yeah. people don't realize that because it doesn't feel like it. Well, they haven't heard his name for seven years. He didn't so. come up right away. Yeah. He was bad at first. I still think he stays in the, uh, it with the Yankees. That's possible. Yeah, you know, they need I don't him. I think so. His, but it, when they, I think it was uh, the Yankees, they pushed out, like, hey, he's having a pretty good year or something like that. He is number one in, like, every category. Yeah, but he's dominant in offensive. Yes, and definitely. Oh, maybe Otani. It depends. If that's if, the knock against Otani is that he's not the best in in any of the categories. Oh, he's damn good though. No, I know, but I'm, I'm just he saying when you, like he's not. It's not like he's an average pitcher and an above average hitter. He's really good at both. If, if his I, ERA all star caliber is under two five and he hits forty home runs, you don't give him it. What are you doing? What it's is hard. wrong with this sport? It's hard not to. Well, I do think. By the way, like I think. It's probably good for baseball if Judge, too, yeah, is the MVP, right? he's a Yankee. So he's a, home oh, run he's a Yankee, and he's, he did finish first in all. He, he's going to hit 60-plus home runs. He's doing something somewhat historic. So is Otani. Yeah. <laughs> but he did it last year, <laughs> so it's less historic. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we see any more Otanis coming along? I thought we'd now start to hear more about more. I bet we do at some point. I'm not sure. Have you seen the guy in Japan? He doesn't pitch. But he's he just broke their all-time single-season home run record, all-time ground ball fielding record. Like no, what, what other record are you breaking? Is he dude, massive, or no. is he just a good hitter? He's just dropping tanks. Really? Yeah, he's coming. We'll be back. Uh, Brent Friends continues on ESPN 690. Jerry Rice interview coming up in the football at five hour. Yeah, overall, you know, uh, protecting the football till the very end of the game. That's what that's what we ask him to do. Um, I think there's throws he wants back, just like everybody. There's plays everybody wants back. There's play designs I want back. There's play calls coach may want back. Um, certain things like that that you, you come in here, you learn from it. Why did it happen? How do I get better moving forward? And you know, this is that was the first game of a long season right here. So everybody's ready to get back to work. The second we got back here on Monday, everybody was ready to get back to work and and work towards putting ourselves in the best position this week. Just win, baby. Just win. That's Press Taylor. Well, sure would. Gosh, it would be nice if the Jags won Sunday. Wouldn't that be great? 
I start rooting for the Jags more for me than them. That's nice of you. Ah, <laughs> uh, serious. Because your job becomes more interesting, yeah. or in like what way? I get it for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think sooner or later we, uh, well, we haven't experienced it a lot. Yeah. Number one, and so you like to keep it going. I think the big part of this year is getting a little momentum for the next year. Like, I have no crazy 9-10 win playoff aspiration <laughs> But thing. that's crazy? What? Like, seriously, I don't have it. But I do feel like they have to try to be in the thing in late November, early December, and I think everybody would feel pretty good about that, like yeah. the, the in-the-hunt thing. Oh, my God, yes. But you go, again, you get on this slide early. It's not a favorable schedule early on. And then there's a couple that work. Like you you mentioned that October schedule. Yep. I think you have the Texans, uh, I forget who else, and then the Giants. But what you, the Colts. It might be, again, the Colts. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's where they get a couple. But then after that, it's like, oh, boy, they got the AFC West. Yeah. You know? So... The schedule really doesn't relent much until, like, the middle of November or late November on where you're like, okay, I can see them now if they're playing pretty good. But are they so demoralized by then? Yeah. Is the city bumming by then? Can they feel all that, that they have no confidence? Like, you have to get some stuff going early. And, ah, that's just such a missed opportunity last week. Now, listen, the way I always try to project how this might go. If they had won last week, they're 1-0, and we're all buzzing around here. We're like, wow, man, look at Trayvon Walker, right? They made this play. They came back. I mean, it was the last time Jags did that. We're buzzing about it. But, like, I actually didn't like this game on the schedule uh, going into the year. I didn't the like the Colts game. Oh, the Colts game. And so so then, let's just say they would lo- lost that game, and they're 1-1. One and one. But then they got to go to the Chargers and Eagles, and then they're losing three in a row before Houston. Like, that doesn't feel good either, right? So none of it ever feels good. <laughs> When you're losing. But what they really, the only way to really make everybody feel good in the first month and a half of the year, month, month and a half, is to beat Indianapolis so you end up one and one and steal one against the Chargers or Philly. Yeah. Right? If they could somehow do that, and again, this is the NFL, they can somehow do that. Like that. Sure. Like Herbert could have a terrible day or something last year, guys. Don't tell me they can't do that. They beat Buffalo with the mess that was going on. So, Buffalo. Two and two, and then you got Houston coming back in. If you can somehow find your way to two and two, but what they're not doing is going 0 and two and then beating the Chargers and Philly. Like, they're not doing that. Let me ask you this. There's no evidence the Jags can do that. I've been hard at work doing mental gymnastics about my Jets over the last couple of days. Let me ask you if you think Jags fan is doing the same thing. Jags fan, I'm talking to you. We kind of feel the same pain sometimes. What if the Jaguars end up with another two-win season, but, but they are literally competitive in every single game this year? No. Not in the hunt. For the playoffs, but literally every single game is a winnable game at the end of the game. Nah. Not doing it for you. Nah, I wouldn't do it. It wouldn't work. I mean, listen, the NFL is built to be competitive. The fact that the Jags weren't in eight games last year, whatever it was, that will show you how much catching up they had. Well, that's what I'm saying. So doesn't that show you how much they've accomplished? No. It will show me that they still can't win, and they don't know how to win. And this is not a team. That's uh, built to win two games. The Jets are, though, just to confirm. (laughs) (laughs) Or four games. I've said this this year. This team should be a lock, like a lock where it's hard to win in the NFL to win five. 
given their schedule, people who they play, the AFC South, the way they built this. They spent $175 million, Aaron, in free agency. Yeah. When you did that and you drafted number one overall and number one overall, and you went and got a Super Bowl winning coach and you spent 175 like, I don't care if you like the team, don't like the team, like this guy. It doesn't matter. You have to at least chalk that up to five wins. Like, you have to do that. They, they If they are under five wins this year, I mean... I, I don't know what I wouldn't even know how to react. It like, feels I, I a little revisionist to me in that previous to the season we're all talking about we need to see progress, and that is progress. No, although progress not the progress winning. you want to see. No, we said progress, but progress. We're okay. This city is okay with the Jags winning like six or seven games. Oh, clearly, yeah. No, they are okay. <laughs> you triple up that your is total from last year. Yeah, that's not okay in like twenty-eight other NFL cities. Significant progress. Jets, though, again. Three hundred percent of what you did last year is significant. Listen, I mean, I will find silver linings around, but you sooner or later have got to win. And, yeah. by the, and I'll, I'll piggyback what I said yesterday. You're going to kill this kid if you win like three more games, and he's six and twenty-eight in his NFL career. Yeah, it's, it's not coming back from that. Like, he might not come back from that in a Jags uniform. Because that record eats you alive in this the way people pay attention to this sport. So just thinking you're getting tackled every play when you snap the ball. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I told you, I already think he's wearing it a little bit. I already think he's wearing that record. I think it, you can see that. He needs a dub. We need a dub. Bring it. Way more than the Colts need a W. They're disappointing anyway. Bums. Might as well just disappoint all the way to like five and twelve Let's this year. Go. Fire everybody. <laughs> in Indy, not here. Yeah. Football at five coming up, <laughs> including my conversation with the great Jerry Rice Ooh. and the new way to watch Thursday night football. That's right. Do we even know how? We got a new player in the mix. It's a pretty fascinating move on Thursday nights by the NFL. We talk about it. Football at five's up next.